We are going to eat some crabs and watch some football in Baltimore, Maryland, baby, for the Baltimore Ravens. It's an interesting team. A lot of changes, a lot of different things for this team, and we're previewing it right now on day 13 of the heat wave. Lucky number 13, as my mom used to say. Uh, the Ravens, and the reason why we are bringing this to you is because of our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash Fantasy. To support the show, please go show some love at patreon.com slash Fantasy. Links everywhere. Uh, wherever you're getting this, there's a link in the description. Uh, there's a link on our social links everywhere. Uh, so click on one of those links, please, and help us out. Uh, and also get a ton of extras. And the reason why we are bringing this to you so efficiently is because of the fantasy football by Brodo app, the app designed for you to become your own fantasy expert. It has everything you need, including these very podcasts and all the, and by the way, all the stats we're going to use today. Uh, so with that being said, let's get into these Baltimore Ravens. It begins now. Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. The old Greg Roman's Ravens are never more. And it's Tom Mockin coming through um, uh, to see what we're going to do. So the question is, what the hell do we do with all these Ravens? And there's no way that I can answer all this by myself. So I'm going to have to bring in some reinforcements just like the Ravens did for Lamar. I got the men, the myths, the legends. I don't even I don't even know if myths is the plural of myth. Myth. I mean, what else would it be? My, some, like, <laughs> my, my, yeah, I think myth sounds, myth sounds like appropriate. Uh, with that being it's said, not. the mythical <laughs> fantasy, uh, fantasy encyclopedia himself, lead writer and director of content at Broad Fantasy, love. Mr. Matt Ward. What's good, Matt? I'm stoked about this team. This is finally the offense that I want to see Lamar in. And Michael, the man, the man, just he's the man. The myth. <laughs> The mic. <laughs> I'll lead analyst and editor of Brodo Fantasy. If this is the first time checking in, I, I would say if this, if your first time checking in uh, is episode thirteen of the Heat Wave. While I welcome you and I love you, thank you. I wouldn't expect this episode to be the one that introduces people, but if it is, let's bring the heat. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with the Heat Wave, we start off with the offensive outlook, and there is no more important team to start off with the offensive outlook this year, then Lamar Jackson and the Ravens who bring in an entirely new rethought out and different offense year 16 as Ravens head coach for John Harbaugh unheard of, but successful 26 year in the NFL overall uh, since he's been to Baltimore in 2008, they have the fourth most victories in the NFL 158. That includes the playoffs. All right. So we already know what we're getting from John Harbaugh. Let's get into the nitty-gritty here. Todd Monken. Offensive coordinator for Georgia from 2020 to 2022. Obviously winning two national championships in three seasons if you've been paying attention. Before that, he was with the Cleveland Browns and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as offensive assistant and wide receivers coach. Uh, he was almost like co Offensive coordinator with the Browns at one point as well. Implements a highly effective pro-style system, kind of like Kyle Shanahan's when he's running it correctly. Now, he's had success and he's had falters. Will he have success here? Last year, 10-7 and record. They ran a lot. They didn't pass a lot. I'm not really going to 
harp on last year because it's a completely different situation. And some of the people that are trying to make it a, diff- a different situation, star wide receiver, at least former star wide receiver Odell Beckham and rookie wide receiver Zay Flowers drafted in the first round. Uh, they also got Keaton Mitchell, a running back rookie as well. Uh, bringing back besides that, pretty much the same offense around it, uh, except they bring in guard Ben Powers. So the question starts, finishes, ends, is continued by Lamar Jackson. We've gotten used to a Lamar Jackson who is a certain type of way. The last two seasons, we've gotten used to an injured Lamar Jackson, if I'm just being frank. Um, and maybe that because some of those injuries are because he does run the ball at a ridiculous rate, right? Obviously, he wanted to pass more. He made that known throughout the entire offseason. The Ravens made it clear that he was their guy, that they had no intention of moving on, and that they were going to make him happy and say, yes, you are going to get your shot in a pass-happy offense. Todd Monken, known for running a spread pass-happy offense. So the question is, do you believe in the new and improved Lamar Jackson? Yeah, absolutely. As I said at the top of the episode, man, like this is the type of offense that I want to see Lamar Jackson in, like uh, a spread offense that creates a lot of yards after the catch. So he doesn't necessarily have to stretch as much as possible. And then creating all of those outward pressing lanes creates more running lanes for him to scramble. I think that's the misnomer that people are getting when you're taking away Greg Roman's quarterback run designed plays where he's really just running like cheap high school RPOs. And then you add in a guy like Todd Munkin who has, it's not like he's telling his quarterbacks not to scramble. He's literally designing an offense that is a forward passing offense for those quarterbacks to have more running lanes on not necessarily designed plays. But a guy like Lamar, like I absolutely trust his ability to find those lanes. So I'm not worried about the rushing floor at all. And I think the passing floor is definitely going to increase. And for that matter, He's like QB five off the board right now. Truly elite quarterbacks with number one overall in their positional. I mean, number one fantasy player in the year in their should not be as cheap as Lamar QB one in his first year as a starter QB eight QB seven QB six continuously in the top 12 QBs in true throw value, except a little bit of a drop off last year. And the last time he was in Greg Roman's offense, obviously with no true receivers, just Mark Andrews being hyper targeted. But he's continuously labeled as a poor passer. And there's been no indications analytically that says he is one. He's a great passer. He's also top five all time in total games with a perfect passer rating and the only active player on the top five list. He's averaged 20.3 points per game last season before being injured. Eight QB1 performances in 12 weeks, including two QB1 overall weeks. Yes, they came at the start of the season, but third in fantasy points per drop back, meaning like, yeah, Lamar's a great passer. And Todd Munkin has averaged 33.7 pass attempts per game in Georgia's offense with the entire time that he was there in three seasons. Obviously, an improved wide receiver core with depth additions, OBJ, healthy Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers. I'll let you guys get into them, obviously, but... This is going to be a good offense and a top 15 ranked offensive line as well, bolstering it with a great veteran like Ben Jones. I, I'm all in on Lamar Jackson as like my first quarterback off the board. Yeah, I have no issue drafting Lamar Jackson ADP either. I just the uh, the fact that he got injured the last couple of years certainly isn't helpful, though. Like the QB is supposed to be the position where you don't have to worry about injury. That's fair. That's the I, only I, concern yeah. I have. You can still get Lamar Jackson, like you guys are saying, kind of like pretty late compared to the guys who are usually his peers going around him. Because I feel like Jalen Hurts, 
has taken his spot after last Absolutely. year in terms of that prestige that I'm going to take this Joe guy in the second being or third ahead round. Of him as well. It's a uh, it could be a little cheat code. Uh, but the question is, can he complete his passes to uh, you know his his wide receivers because the wide receivers are going to play a crucial role. Like and with that being said, by the way, smooth transition. We're going to get into wide receivers. <laughs> to be honest, like it, when you're talking about who's going to be his number one target, right? How many passes is this going to is this team going to score? I'm not as confident in Lamar the passer as you are, Matt. I think that one of the things that worries me about Lamar is that when he throws inside of the numbers, he's fantastic. I think one of the reasons could be because his best target is there, and that's Mark Andrews. When he throws to the outside of the numbers, his numbers drop off pretty significantly. So he's going to be throwing to those outside numbers. It's a spread offense. He's going to be doing that a lot more. And the weapons that he has is supposed to make that better, but I just don't know who is going to be his number one. Like, you can make a case for all three of these guys, right? Lamar Jackson himself has called Rashad Bateman his number one target. OBJ just signed a big contract. And it's worth noting that this is the first time they've paid up for a wide receiver in the Lamar era. In fact, they've let wide receiver wide receivers walk, which, man, Excuse me. They could have let Hollywood Brown. They could have just re-signed Hollywood Brown for a little bit more money than they wanted to. Than they maybe wanted to pay for a wide receiver. They let him go, and then and now they are just scrambling for wide receiver. Ever since they let him go, it's just like, man, just you had someone in the building and just let him walk for what reason? Hollywood's so good too. Yeah, but they're trying to replace him with Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers taken with their first round pick. So I think those three narratives, you could see that any one of these guys could be um, could be the number one target, really the number two target, because everyone knows the number one target is going to be Mark Andrews still. I don't think there's any reason to doubt that. Um, at the time of recording, their expert consensus rate ranking has Bateman at wide receiver 45. Uh, last year, injury plague season for him. Never got more than 65% of the snaps, even when healthy. But when he did play, first... In the league, in yards per catch. First, the most yards per catch. 14th in the league, in average depth of target. He only had 15 catches all year last year. Out of those 15, five of those were big plays over 25 yards. His comps on the app, one of them is Will Fuller. And I think that when you're looking at Rashad Bateman, he had a very stereotypical Will Fuller exactly type season last year. Big plays explosive plays and injuries. That's like the biography of Will Fuller. And he had a very Will Fuller-esque season last year. Zay Flowers is going at wide receiver 50. Uh, last year, stats according to none other than the, the Dynasty Don himself, Matt Ward, on his Zay Flowers article on the app. You can still see that on the app, by the way, if you want to check that out. He generated QB ratings of 114 in, 20, in 2019, 103.5 in 2020, uh, 84.7 in 2021 and 106.1 in his senior year, four years at Boston College. Now, I cannot stress to you, Boston College, they're a terrible, terrible college team. He was the only yeah. player on the field so long. He accounted for 57.1% of his team's receiving touchdowns and 44% of the total offensive touchdowns for the team in 2020. 
He was the only guy on the field, and people still couldn't stop him. Of course, you have to consider, though, that he didn't break out till late. And usually when you're looking at projections, late breakouts do not go well. Then you got OBJ at wide receiver 61. Question is for him, can you trust him? Last time he was a factor was two seasons ago, and he didn't really become a factor until the playoffs. In fact, the last time OBJ was a wide receiver three or better, so top 36 wide receiver three or better in points per game, and you know points per game, I we use that to kind of adjust for injury so you get the idea of what he's like when he's on the field, not just total points. He hasn't been a top 36 wide receiver in points per game since 2018. Now, the reason why we still love him is because he was wide receiver eight that year. So he's had greatness in his life. So the question is, who is going to be the favorite target? You know, who is it going to be? To be honest, I don't know. But I will say this. Shoddy B. At these ADPs, at these rankings, I'm not mad at you taking a shot at any of these guys. Pick your favorite. Pick the guy that you think is going to succeed based on what I just said and the stuff that you can get on the Broto app. All that put together and pick one because I think that it's worth a shot. How are you guys feeling? If you guys had to pick one wide receiver in this wide receiver room, who are you going with? Michael, what about you? Who are you going with first? Zay Flowers, easy. That's that's yeah. who I have been drafting of this bunch. Look, like you said, OBJ hasn't been a thing. Like, it, Stop trying to make fetch happen. Stop trying to make <laughs> OBJ happen. Like you said, bro, it's 2023 season. He hasn't been a top 36 wide receiver since 2018. Like, What are we doing here? And then Rashad Bateman. I mean, you guys know I, I was shitting on Rashad Bateman all of last year too. I'm just not a fan of his, and I'm just, I just, I don't don't think he's gonna have some miraculous breakthrough, um, third season in the league from what I've seen the first two years. Plus, he's always dealing with injuries. Then you have Zay Flowers, the probably the biggest wild card because he is a rookie, but he is a first round rookie with, uh, with production in college and some good size and. I just I'd much rather take a shot on a guy like that on underdog right now. Zay Flowers is going wide receiver 46, Bateman wide receiver 45, and OBJ wide receiver 53. So they're all within like 15 picks of each other. So I'm taking Flowers of the bunch every time. Matt, do you agree? Yeah, I'm I'm probably leaning a little bit of Zay. Um pro- mostly just because of the injury concerns with Bateman because I mean he did get a cortisone shot this offseason he still hasn't trained uh the Liz Frank injury obviously lingering so with that said yeah I'm gonna lean flowers there but I completely disagree with Mike I think that Rashad Bateman is the real deal if he can if he can string together healthy games we will see a breakout the real number one wide receiver in this team is Mark Andrews yeah that's another reason why I'm not (laughs) overly interested in Baltimore Ravens wide receivers to begin with it's going to be interesting to see how Mark Andrews fits in this new system. Uh, definitely a spread out system. So middle of the field to be had in theory. So Matt, how are you feeling about uh, the only guy who is, who has go to go finished... to youtube.com subscribe to Brodo fantasy. And then immediately after you do that, type in Brock Bowers highlights. And you're going to see the greatest tight end prospect that's ever lived. And yes, I'm talking about Kyle Pitts being involved in that too. Like, Todd Munkin has created the greatest tight end, receiving tight end I've ever seen play college football, period. And I think with Mark Andrews, he'll be able to do a little bit better. I'm so stoked about this offense. I'll keep taking that that flame from you guys because you guys seem a little bit iffy. And I think this is going to be a great offense for Lamar and a great offense for the passing. 73 receptions for Mark Andrews last season, true target value of third, tight end three in points per game as well. 
847 yards, five touchdowns, averaged 11.6 yard perception, a league leading target share of 29.0%. This guy saw 113 targets, ranked first in air yards and fifth in total deep targets. And Mark Andrews isn't even the Ravens' number one tight end. Like, that's what we kind of glossed over. Like, he's their alpha wide receiver. He's stuck in a tight end designation, but you look at his body, you look at his speed, you look at his route running, very similar to Kelsey, but obviously even more of a deep target, a deeper average depth of target. His true target value took a notable hit without Lamar under center, but still remained a top three option at true target value throughout the season, a top three option point per game. And again, I'll say it, man, like the way that I envision Todd Munkin, like Stetson Bennett won two national championships, spending seven years in college as like a six round draft pick because Todd Munkin created the easiest avenue for him to succeed and it was through this incredible tight end i don't think it's going to be much different like it's not like georgia was not running a pro offense you you look at everybody that's been drafted through the nfl on that team it's offensive linemen it's running backs it's none of these kids are going undrafted none of them yeah yeah so i mean i'm i'm you know you're gonna have to get mark andrews a little early third fourth round facts so it's three one is actually where I'm looking at him right now for my ADP. Yeah, people are overall. people are a little scared off of Andrews because they kind of did them dirty last season with the you know missed some time. He wasn't as did clearly it wasn't as zero point zero game I think too. Yeah, it wasn't as good as he was two years ago. But I mean, you can't. Well, two years ago like, he dethroned Kelsey. Yeah, right? the only like, one to do it since yeah. 2015. And high end tight ends could... don't grow on trees. I think he could do it again. And if not, I, I definitely think, you know, uh, yes, you, you might. I'm not going to predict any injuries, obviously, like, but th- there might be a scenario where he misses games. But if not miss games, like he's going to finish in the top 20 players and definitely tight end two, if not tight end one overall. One thing that we could see about this offense that's a completely different situation is the running game. We're so used to this being a run heavy offense. And with that run heaviness comes production from the running back. Uh, whether that is only one running back or two, because when J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards were healthy, you saw two running backs get that um, workload. The last two years, though, it's been a hodgepodge of Kenyon Drakes and um, what's the the guy who's more more random dudes? Justice Hill, Tyler Justice, Beatty, uh, Gus the, Edwards. Who's uh, well? Gus Edwards got hurt too. Who's the one guy? Who's that guy that? Oh man, Tyson Williams. Right, like oh yeah, there were that. That's, that like, was the name. It was just a hot. Word. A People of... started drafting Tyson Williams in like the fourth and fifth round last year in late August. Wild times. I remember that <laughs> because oh yeah, when it was uh when J.K. tore his knee in preseason, then yeah. Gus tore his and knee then, in practice like yeah. four days later. Yeah, and this, it's crazy what's been <laughs> happening. To O.D. The... drafting Tyson Williams. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you're looking at this running back situation, Gus is healthy. Uh, J.K. Dobbins says he's actually healthy, not just limping on one leg like he was doing when he was playing last year. So the question is, Michael, how are you looking at these running backs? J.K. Dobbins kind of being drafted, uh, priced a little high, in my opinion, to considering like it's a new offense and he has injury history. I think he's being drafted as a mid-range RB2, which is kind of, for me, where his ceiling's at. How are you feeling about J.K. and Gus? Yeah, J.K. Dobbins is a toughie for me, man. <clears throat> He's currently going as RB18 on both Underdog and FFPC. You could get him in the uh, fifth round or so. Like, he had an impressive, efficient 2020 rookie season. 
averaged six yards per carry. It was primed for a big sophomore campaign, was going high in fantasy drafts, and then he tore apart his knee, um, had to get surgery, as we know, resulted in missing the entire 21 season, which even um, bled into the 2022 season. He missed the first couple of games there. He also missed week 7 to 13 when he was active. He had a limited role when on the field. He never surpassed more than 15 carries in a game. And if you looked at his knee, it looked like they like just threw bones together and, and put it on a guy. But he was like still... alien was trying to break out through his skin, man. Yeah, but somehow he was still super efficient. But, the, I mean, the Ravens running room does happen to be very efficient, more or less. Um with the with the way that offense operates but he was averaging 5.7 yards per carry when he returned in week 14 he put up back-to-back 120 plus yard performances on just 15 and 14 touches respectively and then he closed out the year with 93 yards and over 100 yards rushing again in the playoff loss against uh cincy he even had two games with four receptions which is a good sign heading into the season as well if they're going to be utilizing running backs in the passing game more and look betting on dobbins is entirely a bet on health at this point, if he gets 15 plus carries a game, he gets 60 plus percent of snaps. I could see him being a, a top 18 running back where his ADP is yep. just because of how efficient the offense should be. And with the threat of Lamar Jackson there, I do question, however, the potential of being better than top 18, you know, like, is there a top 12 potential here with JK Dobbins in a guaranteed timeshare? You know, he's not going to, be a workhorse back and a question mark in the passing game and Lamar Jackson stealing rushing touchdowns. Even if he does get more involved in the passing game, is he really going to catch more than like 30 to 40 balls, 200, 250 ish receiving yards? Probably not. That's just not really the Ravens offense with Lamar on their center. I know Todd Monken's coming over now, but that's just not going to be part of the, the game. And now the checkdowns are going to be non-existent because that was, we- even with a, a, pocket passer like Stetson Bennett or, or a more pocket developed passer like Stetson Bennett there was never checkdowns in that Georgia offense and yeah. you know Lamar Jackson is the check down he's a check down if the play breaks exactly. down he doesn't check it down he, he tucks it yeah so then it's it's just it's a tough bet for me because I mean I get it I feel like he uh, people drafting him but I just I don't ever really click his name like you could get DeAndre Swift two rounds around or two rounds later like I'd take that every single day of the week. And then Gus Edwards, I think it's a decent stash. He goes late in drafts. Um, he averages five yards of carry throughout his entire season. He has less pass catching appeal than J.K. Dobbins. He's never caught more than 10 passes in a ball. But if something were to happen to Dobbins, we know Gus Edwards has a touchdown dependent upside there. Um, and he's been an RB2 in the past. So I understand Edwards more as a handcuff than I would take Dobbins as my fourth or fifth best player. I agree um, on that one. And one thing that the people are probably agreeing on right now is like, yo, I, I love the t- the Mark Andrews talk, but there's another tight end that I was hoping you guys were going to talk about. Well, what do you think? We're going to leave you hanging or something? Uh, Matt, why don't you tell us about the Dynasty Stash? Yeah, I mean, th- this one's kind of obvious, man. Keep Isaiah likely on your rosters. Don't sell away. It- it's going to take a little bit, obviously. I'm not even talking about time. The kid is ready. <laughs> like, the kid is is proven ready. Uh, he has a top six receiving yards per team pass attempt in the history of college. Um, yeah, Coastal Carolina. 
but the kid is a phenomenal receiver, very much just like Mark Andrews. And then during the two games in which Mark Andrews did miss last season, as I was prefacing, you know, when I was doing his breakdown, likely finished as the tight end two, 19.2 points per game and tight end nine, obviously not winning your week, but a respectable 9.8 PPR points, still a top 10 tight end. Fourth round pick out of Coastal Carolina, like I said, which is obviously a smaller school. So he was their number one wide receiver. Um, although again, tight end designation declared as a tight end, but very similar. Like he knows how to handle, how to run all sorts of routes, how to line up H back, how to line up slot, how to line up wide, how to line up in line. He did it for three incredibly productive years at Coastal Carolina. And the path to relevance is definitely going to require either him getting traded or a potential Mark Andrews injury. But Isaiah likely is it. He's going to be somebody that you're going to see on top 12 tight end points per game throughout his entire career. High praise, high praise. Once he gets a starting role. <laughs> I think he should, he could even have some sort of role this year. If they're, you know, Tom Mockin does come from um, the Shanahanish tree. So like those guys well, he, are all a lot of two tight end sets in, in his playbook for sure. But it's usually like the Nick Boyle and the Mark Andrews is, is how he likes to use, you know, the Darnell Washington, the Brock Bowers. So the Mark Andrews and then the guy who's going to vulture like four or five touchdowns away from Mark Andrews. Potentially. potentially <laughs> yeah, but exactly that. And that's, yeah. that's another reason why I like Isaiah likely is you see any sort of production from these young tight ends in dynasty leagues. Let's go back. How high was Chig being drafted again? Tight end, end 11. So there you go. That's all my, that's my point. You mm-hmm. see the smallest amount of production from young tight ends value skyrockets. Yeah, if there if there was no Mark Andrews, I feel like Isaiah likely would be being drafted as like a top seven like tight end right ten, <laughs> Legit. easily, easily higher. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, that's the end of our Baltimore Ravens. Next week, we're coming to you with the Cincinnati Bengals, a very exciting wow. team. I can't wait to get into Cincinnati Bengals. I will say this: a little sneak preview. I'm gonna say something that you don't expect to ever hear on this program. I'm going to say something completely out of left field with the history of this show. And the only way you can find out is if you tune in. Uh, I'm not going to put it on Twitter, but you can follow me on Twitter anyway. At BrotoFFTim, at BrotoFFMike, at PsychWardFF, at BrotoFFJason, and at BrotoFFCasanova. Casanova back from Europe. What's, what's good, Cas? We love you. Um, so much love. Yeah, so much love for that guy. Handsome fella. Gotta say. Um what else? Where else? What was my? I'm thinking Patreon. about Casanova's the mannish good looks, and it just like it just threw me off. Just threw me off. Um, yeah, come check us out. BrotoFantasy.com, the fantasy football by Broto app. Yeah, um, we're gonna have Cass joining us on a few of these waiver on a few of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt didn't know that yet, uh, but Cass is gonna be joining us when Matt's nice. ha- having an absence. So uh, yeah, you'll be in good hands. With that being said, let's get into these bangles already tomorrow. Peace. Later.